0: So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you have come to the right place. Welcome. Hi there, welcome back. This will be from Matthew chapter 12. Also similar verses are in Mark chapter 2 and Luke chapter 6. So we'll start with Matthew 12 verse 1. At that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn or grain, it's probably barley, and his disciples were unhungered and began to pluck the ears of corn or the barley and to eat. Now, in the Old Testament, they're not stealing here. This was allowed by the Mosaic law. In Deuteronomy, it says, When thou comest into the standing corn of thy neighbor, then thou mayest pluck the ears with thine hand, but thou shalt not move a sickle unto thy neighbor's standing corn. So you can't just go harvest your neighbor's stuff, but if you're walking through the corn and you're hungry, you can eat of the grain as you're passing through back to verse 2 of Matthew but when the Pharisees saw them they said unto him behold thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the sabbath day notice what they're doing they're plucking the corn and eating it or plucking the barley and eating it Spying eyes, viewing, we suppose, from prosecutorial pleasure, observed the two sins which they could argue were capital offenses. Perhaps these peering Pharisees were following to see if the disciples of the new order would walk more than the 2,000 cubits allowed by the rabbinic restrictions on the Sabbath day. Perhaps they hoped to witness the sins of harvesting and threshing, seeing what they did, they complained to Jesus." They broke two laws, not biblical, but rabbinic laws. They both reaped and harvested. The plucking was reaping, and the rubbing off of the husks was threshing. Their act violated not the Mosaic law, forbidding servile work on the Sabbath, but the rabbinical interpretations prevailing in that darkened era. To rub ears of grain together in the hands was considered to be threshing, to blow away the chaff winnowing, when the Lord revealed the law of Sabbath observance in this dispensation, he expressly authorized such servile work as was required to prepare necessary food. That was by Bruce R. McConkie. Uh, back to Matthew, verse 3. But he said unto them, Have ye not read what David did when he was in was he, he hungered, and they that were with him? How he entered into the house of God and did eat the shewbread which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them that were with him, but only for the priests? Even even you know, and this is, uh, he's talking and mentioned to the Pharisees here, even you know that your law calls for men to eat on the Sabbath and that danger to life and being on the, on the Lord's errand supersede the Sabbath law. Since David was guiltless in taking the, the very bread of the presence from off the holy table, think ye that my disciples will be condemned for rubbing a few grains of barley in their hands to make them more palatable?" Even proper Sabbath regulations with reference to it may be set aside when some overriding principle of temporal or spiritual well-being is involved. David's use of the showbread illustrates this principle, and that, again by his Elder McConkie. So again, the, they can do this. It's not breaking the Sabbath by what they were doing. Back to Matthew, verse 5, Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath, and ye say that they are blameless? When the Lord revealed the law of Sabbath observance in this dispensation, he expressly authorized such servile work as was required. Even proper regulations with reference to the Sabbath may be set aside when some overriding principle of temporal or spiritual well-being is involved. I think I said that. Verse 6, But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. Jesus himself is that one. It is as though he said, Since the priests can legally break the Sabbath in their temple performances— Think not that my disciples are bound by ritualistic restrictions when they are on the errand of one who is greater than the temple. Verse 7, but if ye had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. Ye ye would not have condemned the guiltless. Hosea says mercy, love, charity. The, The attributes of godliness take precedence over sacrifices and ritualistic performances. And then back to Mark, he says, And he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Wherefore the Sabbath was given unto man for a day of rest, and also that man should glorify God, and not that man should not eat, for the Son of Man made the Sabbath day. Back to Matthew, For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. In other words, I am the Lord also of the Sabbath, and can specify in my own name what constitutes proper Sabbath observance. By objecting to his Sabbath conduct, or that of his disciples, they were in fact objecting to his Messiahship. Jesus, in effect, is saying, since the priests can legally break the Sabbath in their temple performances, I can do this on when, when people are on my errand here. All righty, uh, Matthew 12, verse 9, and when he was departed, thence he went into their synagogue. And behold, there was a man which had a withered hand, And they act, and they asked him, saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days that they might accuse him? And then back in Mark it says, and he said unto the man which was withered, which had the withered hand, stand forth. Back to Matthew, and he said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep, and if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will not will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is a, is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. And then in Mark it says, And he said unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days, or to do evil, to save life, or to kill? But they held their peace. And when when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, and looking round upon them, this is in Luke now, and said unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other. From the account we gain a reaffirmation of the eternal truth that it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath, that as a day of worship it is one of for which men lawfully and properly should glorify God by doing his work. Back to Matthew, it says, Then said he to the man, Stretch forth thy hand, and he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole like unto the other. Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him, how they might destroy him. Boy, it's a... Like like you say, no good deed goes unpunished. But Jesus knew when they took counsel, and he withdrew himself from thence, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed their sick. And then in, Ver- in, Ma- in Mark it says, Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him from Judea, and from Jerusalem, and from, Ju- and from Idumea, and from beyond Jordan, and they about Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude, when they heard what great things he did, came unto him. And he spake to his disciples that a small ship or boat should wait on him because of the multitude, lest they should throng him. For he had healed many, insomuch that they pressed upon him for to touch him. As many as had plagues and unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. And he straightly charged them that they should not make him known. Then back to uh, Matthew verse 16, and charged them that they should not make him known, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Esaias the prophet, saying, Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. Remember that uh, Isaiah prophesied that there would be a servant Messiah, and that's what, that's what's uh, being quoted there. Verse 19, he shall not strive nor cry neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment into victory. And in his name shall the Gentile nations trust. So uh, again, Jesus is being very meek and lowly in heart when he's uh, going forth and preaching. In Mark 3, then, it says, Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him, and they went out into an house, and the multitude cometh together again, so that they could not so much as eat bread, and when his friends heard him speak, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said, He is beside himself. And then back to Matthew, verse 22, then, went, then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him, insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw and the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard that he had cast out the devil, they said, This fellow, this man doth not cast out devils but by Beelzebub the prince of the devils. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself, how, shall, how then shall his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast out devils? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. For they also cast out devils by the Spirit of God, for unto them is given power over devils that they may cast them out. Or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Therefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto, unto men who come unto me and repent, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven unto men." And then back to Mark, it says, Then came certain men unto him, accusing him, saying, Why do ye receive sinners, seeing thou makest thyself the Son of God? But he answered them, and said, Verily I say unto you, All sins which men have committed when they repent shall be forgiven forgiven them, for I came to preach repentance unto the sons of men. And blasphemies, wherewithsoever they shall blaspheme, shall be forgiven them that come unto me, and do the works which they do, which they see me do. But there is a sin which shall not be forgiven he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness but is in danger of being cut down out of the world and they shall inherit eternal damnation and so uh, that's uh, talking about the the denying the Holy Ghost now to uh, give a, a better explanation of that or Bruce R McConkey said what is the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost? Blasphemy consists in either of, or both of the following, speaking irreverently, evilly, abusively, or scurrilously against God or sacred things, or two, speaking profanely or falsely about deity. Blasphemy against the Holy Ghost, which is falsely denying Christ after receiving a perfect revelation of him from the Holy Ghost, is the unpardonable sin. Those in this life who gain a perfect knowledge of the divinity of the gospel cause, a knowledge that comes only by revelation from the Holy Ghost, and who then link themselves with Lucifer and come out in open rebellion, also become sons of perdition. Their destiny following their resurrection is to be cast out with the devil and his angels to inherit the same kingdom in a state where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Joseph Smith said, "All sins shall be given shall be forgiven, except the sin against the Holy Ghost, for Jesus will save all except the sons of perdition. Our Lord told the Jews that eventually, either in this world or in the world to come, all sins would be forgiven except the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. This sin of, or blasphemy against the Holy Ghost is thus the unpardonable sin, particular note." should be taken in this connection of the fact that forgiveness of sins does not thereby confer celestial salvation upon a person. All will suffer until they obey Christ himself, the prophet said. The wicked and ungodly will suffer the vengeance of eternal fire in hell until they finally obey Christ, repent of their sins, and gain forgiveness therefrom. Then shall they obtain the resurrection and an inheritance in the celestial and not the celestial kingdom." Those who have committed the unpardonable sin, however, will not be redeemed from the devil, and instead, after their resurrection, will be cast out as sons of perdition to dwell with the devil and his angels in eternity. Commission of the unpardonable sin consists in crucifying unto oneself the Son of God afresh and putting him to open shame. To commit this unpardonable crime, a man must receive the gospel gain from the Holy Ghost by revelation the absolute knowledge of the divinity of Christ, and then deny the new and everlasting covenant by which he was sanctified, calling it an unholy thing, and doing despite to the Spirit of grace. And that's by Joseph Smith. He thereby commits murder in a, by asserting or by assenting unto the Lord's death. That is, having a perfect knowledge of the truth, he comes out in open rebellion and places himself in a position wherein he would have crucified Christ, knowing perfectly the while that what he that he was the son of god christ is thus crucified afresh and put to open shame what must a man do to commit the unpardonable sin the prophet asked he must receive the holy ghost have the heavens opened unto him and know god and then sin against him after a man has sinned against the Holy Ghost, there is no repentance for him. He has got to say that the sun does not shine while he sees it. He has got to deny Jesus Christ when the heavens have been opened unto him, and to deny the plan of salvation with his eyes open to the truth of it. And from this, from that time he begins to be an enemy. This is the case with many apostates of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. When a man begins to be an enemy to this work, he hunts me, he seeks to kill me, and never ceases to thirst for my blood. He gets the spirit of the devil, the same spirit that they had who crucified the Lord of life. The same spirit that sins against the Holy Ghost, you cannot save such persons. You cannot bring them to repentance. They make open war like the devil, and awful is the consequence. Among other things, this statement from the prophet explodes forever the mythical fantasy that the sons of perdition are so few that they can be numbered on the fingers of the hand. And that's by Bruce R. McConkey. The eyes can be deceived, as can other physical senses, but the testimony of the Holy Ghost is certain. The sin against the Holy Ghost requires such knowledge that it is manifestly impossible for the rank and file to commit such a sin. And that's by Spencer W. Kimball. I remember once uh, when we had an open house for a stake center that uh, there was a brother standing outside the stake center uh, with anti Mormon pamphlets and and he was yelling loudly to people not to go into the into the building and and uh he'd been previously a member of the church and a uh, temple worker and so on. And I remember that the state president went out one day to talk with him and said that if he was willing to uh not be Voisterous uh, and negative about the church, and not to uh be proclaiming against the church that he would give him a tour of the of the stake center, uh, but that he had to be quiet while he was in the building and he, and the guy promised that he would do that, and so uh, the stake president took him into the into the building into the stake center, and uh, as soon as he entered. He started again yelling and, and hollering about how bad the church was and negative things about the church and so on. Uh, and so the state president had to take him back out. And he said, you promised that you wouldn't do that, and yet he couldn't help himself. I, and I wonder if that kind of person is one who continually fights against the gospel uh, that might be a son of perdition. I'm not saying that he is, because that's not my judgment to make. But i uh, just wondering if that's the type of person that might be like that. Anyway, Back to the Matthew, verse 32. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. And Jesus said, O ye generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man, out of the good treasure of the heart, bringeth forth good things, and an evil man, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. And again I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by the wor- by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned." And then back to Mark, it says, And this he said unto them, because they said, He hath an unclean spirit. Back to Matthew 38. Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. Joseph Smith said, Whenever you see a man seeking after a sign, you may set it down that he is an adulterous man. Back to Matthew, verse 39. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now that's very symbolic of Jesus spending three, nights in the, or three days and three nights in the tomb of the earth after his death until his resurrection. Verse forty-one: The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And he beheld, and he behold, and ye behold a greater than Jonas is here the queen of the south shall rise up in the day of judgment with the, this generation and shall condemn it for she she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of solomon and ye behold and ye and ye behold a greater than solomon is here the queen of sheba in an area south of judea in arabia near the shores of the red sea Verse 43, Then came some of the scribes and said unto him, Master, is it, it is written, Every sin shall be forgiven, but ye say, Whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven. And they asked him, saying, How can these things be? And he said unto them, When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. But when a man speaketh against the Holy Ghost, then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came. "...once I came out, and when he has come, he findeth him empty, swept, and garnished, for the good spirit leaveth him unto himself. Then goeth he, the evil spirit, and taketh taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there, and the last end of that man is worse than the first, even so shall it be also um, unto this wicked generation." What he's saying here too is when you overcome bad habits, replace them with good habits, or the bad habits will return and be worse than before. This way, evil things will have nowhere to stay if you have good habits in their place. Verse 46. And while he yet talked, the people to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without, desiring to speak unto him or to speak with him. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto, unto the man that told him, Who is my mother and who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. And he gave them charge concerning her, saying, I go, I go my way, for my father hath sent me, and whosoever shall do the will of my father, which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Now he's not saying anything negative about his family here. He's just saying that uh, he's got work to do and uh, that there's a priority here as well. But... Uh, Uh, we're supposed to love our families and that sort of thing. The family's the reason we're here. Anyway, that's the end of the chapter, and we will see you next time. Bye.